0: The back page of video games podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts, and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello, Matthew. How's it going on this Tuesday night when we are recording this podcast? Feels like a dozy end of February day to me. How about you?
1: Oh, I'm. I feel more like it's time for us to break into a nighttime arcade shopping mall and
0: have an adventure. Oh, nice. Is that a reference to? Uh, a slightly mediocre episode of a tv show based on a playstation game <laughs> yeah absolutely oh um, no oh. question
1: how the fuck did they know about mortal Kombat? <laughs> they were born yeah. in what
0: 2012 2000 i thought it was like 2003 is that oh, no, that's when the that's when the thing hit wasn't it yeah so it was after that yeah okay it's a good question you know mm. uh just a copy of like you know edge lying around <laughs> in one of uh one of these like you know sort of like camps or whatever, <laughs> Fedra people reading old copies of Edge. Oh, could... God. I would
1: love to have had a scene where two Fedra people are like, oh, man, Edge is really overrated Skyward
0: Sword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, not sure about this Double Dash review. You know, that uh, sort
1: of thing. Oh, well, actually, Skyward Sword wouldn't... Nintendo's dead by 2010, so um, that's
0: that's one positive, I guess. Uh, yeah, so you only get up to 2003 in there. That's, yeah, so that's... that rule so many things out they never got san andreas in this reality matthew just that's tough
1: one of the last memories would have been wind waker though so that's quite happy
0: that's pretty good yeah 2003 is a pretty decent year but i don't know it's tough tough they didn't get to see gta reach its peak on you know on on there but also um i think they miss out on final fantasy 10 too as well and i consider that a blessing so you know yeah. uh, swings and roundabouts yeah, this podcast
1: would land so differently in the world of The Last of Us. Um, <laughs> no one saw PlayStation Three
0: biff it, you know.
1: Like in their minds, PlayStation's unstoppable.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's true. Yeah, like what could go wrong after this? Nothing. Uh, yeah, wow. I can't wait to have a install a hard drive for my copy of Fun of Eleven. That's what they're thinking. <laughs> So Matthew, this episode is yes. not about The Last of Us again, um, we can revisit, should we, let me do the uh, what we've been playing later this month, should we revisit The Last of Us a little bit and just talk about what we thought of the rest of the episode so people yeah. have that information, that might be good. It may only take like three minutes as we repeat exactly what we said from the previous one, yeah. but still. Um, I want to do a quick run through of what we've got coming up in March, Matthew, just uh, tease out what's coming, because I feel like it's an exciting month, mm. so... This episode, Wii U and 3DS games to grab before the shops close. Very straightforward. You're listening to it right now. You're going to have a great time, probably. Uh, it should be decent. <laughs> <laughs> That's on March 3rd, which is, well, it's happened already. This is going great, honestly. It's um, a no from me, dog. <laughs> March 10th, the Capcom Games draft. Oh, so yes, we will both pick 10 uh, great Capcom games to, to compete in some kind of ridiculous scenario. How do you think about that one, Matthew?
1: yeah i'm excited about that that'll that'll be good that's that's classic um back page turf uh well for some <laughs> of the genres it gets a bit patchy when it gets to like fighting games
0: oh yeah there's going to be a, like one bullshit fighting games category where we just begrudgingly pick something then move on basically that's i'm just going to say happen.
1: street fighter third strike or whatever it is because i heard about it on simon parkins podcast recently <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I have actually been googling which is the best Street Fighter, and uh, no one can really agree. Um, So, uh, yeah, Third Strike did come up quite a lot, though. Uh, So, yes, that's going to be a fun one, especially because I think there's some, like, different interpretations of, uh, you know, Capcom's catalogue that will uh, sort of come out there. So, yeah, March 10th for that, and then you'll be able to vote on the winner, as ever, with the drafts. Um, we got another magazine related guest coming on for the March seventeenth episode. I haven't quite nailed down when we're recording with them yet, so uh maybe that could change, but fingers crossed it won't. Yeah. Um it's it's a good one, so fingers crossed that, that should be good. Um but before that, actually on March thirteenth, our first XL episode of the month. So uh for the uh Patreon subscribers, XL tier. The Excel episode this month is twenty sixteen bit games that made us. Um <clears throat> the title might need a bit of work, but yeah. When you say it, it sounds like twenty sixteen. <laughs> bit games
1: as in like (laughs) games from 2016 that made us some people are like that is a niche subject (laughs) Uh,
0: yeah that's a bit confusing so yes it's going to be 20 times 16 bit games that made us (laughs) 16 bit (laughs) Um, games 20 examples that made us (laughs) Okay, that needs a complete rewrite. That's a piece of of shit. But basically, self-explanatory, me and Matthew are each going to talk about the sort of uh, SNES and Mega Drive era games that uh, were were kind of key for us. And how we're doing it is, we're each going to do five that we played at the time that really fundamentally shaped our game's taste, and we're going to do five that we each played later on. Um, like yeah, you know years down the line around virtual console time relevant to this episode but which uh which we discovered and sort of enriched our interest in 16-bit games um yeah a little bit further down the line i think that'll be good because uh i think some people really want us to talk about this era of games more matthew but we don't know anything and it's not like the good yeah it's <clears throat> like mean... a good t- template for it
1: that episode is just going to be me not remembering eternal champions very well again <laughs> <So> <laughs> look great. forward
0: to that folks <laughs> that's good yeah you uh don't worry i'm not going to talk about um the jurassic park game on mega drive again i've got some slightly different material uh, if you if you want to hear about ea hockey ooh, oh you're going oh to have a great God. time <laughs> four pound fifty uh for the pleasure of listening to that it should be good though um march 24th regular feed two giant men play resident evil 4 remake that is contingent on us getting a uh, hold of the game before release but uh we did it for Resi Village, so we think we could probably do it again. Hopefully. Um,
1: do you think we should boy. rename it to El Gigante's play Resident Evil 4?
0: <laughs> I do like that. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a nice one. I mean, um, it okay. hurts the SEO, but... You know. <laughs> the PC Gaming Classics mini series that Jeremy and Phil do this, uh, this month is doing Trespasser Jurassic Park. That's on <laughs> March 20th. Um, the dates here are actually scrambled. I don't know how I did that. I'm fucking terrible at this. And uh, the XXL episode is Christopher Nolan Films ranked on March 27th, so pop culture focused that's going to be quite an interesting one ahead of Oppenheimer coming out a film that has every single actor in Hollywood in it from Casey Affleck who I thought was cancelled but apparently not to oh. uh Alden Ehrenreich everyone is in this film <laughs> uh so yeah it's that, and, they got uh, all yeah. the cancelled people and just drop a bomb on them all the cancelled people and um and uh sort of failed Star Wars uh spin-off actors so uh yeah
1: oh yeah I was it. sorry I was mistaking him for Ansel Elgort that's
0: my bad Oh right, yeah, those are different guys. They yeah. they did both um, audition for um, Han Solo, but uh, yeah, Alden Ehreike seems like a good dude. So. Oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> I, I take it back. I don't
1: want to drop a nuke on him. I don't really want to <laughs> drop a nuke on um, Ansel Elgort. I mean, I'm not I'm not that vindictive.
0: I was about to say we probably shouldn't make drop, jokes about dropping nukes, but then I think that um, XAL episode we did, where I just talked about nuking Paris to get the Nazis out, has set a, like a quite a poor tone on this podcast for discussing nuclear like, weapons. So that's tough. Like you know.
1: legit, legitimately, if if a nuke does get dropped in the the near future i don't think people will be like i need to hold that podcast to account
0: <laughs> it's a good point we have, very, have a very little bearing on the situation we'll, do you know what i mean
1: we'll have much bigger problems than <laughs> i need to go and scold those two assholes from that podcast yeah
0: i'm gonna see if the internet is still running and if it is oh i'm getting on twitter immediately A <laughs> <laughs> oh, very dark a vision of our future there um so uh, final episode of that month is what we've been playing on march 31st so uh bit a bit torturous there matthew but um should be a good month right you excited about all that yeah all well, sounds great yeah absolutely so this episode then matthew do you want to talk a bit about why we were prompted to do this and the, the sort of significance of it all
1: yeah so um this episode is about the wii u and 3ds e-shops are both closing um on march the 27th um and with them goes uh, a library of digital only games and uh, cheap or cheaper digital alternatives to physical games in some cases. Uh, and when this news was announced last year, uh, loads of people did big features about, like, you've got a year to to buy all this stuff before the store closes. Um, you know, we like to leave everything to the last minute. So we're doing this at the start of March, where you only have uh, 27 days or fewer <laughs> than that now to uh, <laughs> actually act on any of these decisions um, but yeah, we thought it would be uh, yeah a good chance just to kind of power through some recommendations. It's not going to be a complicated or particularly long episode. It's more of a functional one. Also, if you're listening to this after March the 27th, I'm really, <laughs> really sorry, but all this stuff is dust now. Um, so uh, like basically it is, a, 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 you know, a figurative nuke has gone off in the eShop. Um, so you're cool. too late. Stop um,
0: using that analogy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I'm still so Tom Nukes. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, maybe discuss a little bit about the Wii U and 3DS eShop, which were uh, varying levels of success. Um, obviously, a big part of my career on Nintendo Mags was covering these games and using eShop games to fill in gaps in the retail schedule, which were many and often so uh yeah like i don't know I I, I I don't want to put forward this idea that like i'm this like huge champion of these stores like uh, there are some people out there on the web who are really really into this scene and are like hyper knowledgeable and i imagine a lot of the stuff they're going to recommend has already been recommended at great length by many of these other uh, list features which courtesy of amazing seo you can easily find on google um so just type 3ds or wii u hidden gems and you will inevitably get an eShop story but um you know you listen to this podcast this is our take so you can hear it from us first
0: yeah absolutely so um matthew should i recap exactly what happens on march 27th yeah when let's e-shop's do it. Going?
1: this is this is quite technical but i think it's like interesting to know exactly where we stand
0: i think so yeah just like what are the stakes basically if you are considering buying this stuff and i will always say what i always say which is please don't just buy everything because we discussed it on this podcast. Like one person in the Discord added me saying, oh, can you let me know how much all these are going to cost so I know I know when to buy them after my <laughs> 3DS gets here? And I was like, okay, if you don't already have a 3DS, I'm not sure now is the time to start. But hey, <laughs> uh, if you weren't already in, you probably there's probably no point getting in now. So uh, with that caveat out of the way, what happens on March 27th? So on both Wii U and 3DS, users will still be able to re-download content they own, and download existing software updates so if you put in a physical game then uh yeah it could, and you let's say you're going to buy a physical game from ebay or something and it's been updated by the publisher or developer you can in- insert it and you can still download updates that's good so the store isn't completely going away it has some bare functionality this is fairly standard stuff when it comes to these store closures um, i yeah. imagine that won't last forever but you know for the time being all good um so what you can't do you can't purchase any content you already can't add um, credits to your uh, Nintendo eShop balance through 3DS, but if you have a Switch, actually, you can do it through there and then uh, go back onto your 3DS and it'll work that way. On Nintendo 3DS systems, uh, with the kind of purchase content restrictions also applies to any paid content, plays and passes and software like StreetPass, Me Plaza, the Theme Shop, Nintendo Badge Arcade and Pokemon Bank. I know Matthew's a big fan of the Pokemon Bank. It's his favorite <laughs> bank, even better than Barclays. That's what he said to me off the air. <laughs> On Wii U consoles... Uh, this includes passes in software such as Wii Sports Club. Uh, again, that was uh, roundly um, dismissed in the uh, <laughs> in the Wii U Hall of Fame. Um, you can't download demos. You can't download free to start software. Uh, you can't redeem download codes anymore. So if you have any of those, get them out of the way. And uh, you can't can't add funds to your Nintendo eShop balance, as discussed. But uh, yeah, so for now, you you can if you're using a Switch. And I think if you go onto the Nintendo website, you can do that too. The good news, though, on Nintendo 3DS systems, users will still be able to download a small number of free themes from the theme shop. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good addition by you there, Matthew, to the plan. That made me chuckle. Um, So, yeah, interesting restrictions there. Quite similar to what happened with the Wii uh, store when that closed, Matthew, the Wii shop. Um, That was, like, a very similar deal. I think it's completely gone now, but for a while you could download stuff. And I think that anything you did download, you can still use on Wii, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's... uh, I think what's interesting about this is that it reminds you that on 3ds, not Wii U, but on 3ds, they um, they had like integrated purchases a bit more throughout the system. Like there are things to buy outside of the store, like that it has that separate theme shop, which for people mm. who don't know it is you can go on and download wallpapers basically for the system. Um, they're a little more substantial than wallpapers because they add like. Musical themes, special effects, and things. So, if you download the Skyward Sword theme, your 3DS menu will play like music from Skyward Sword, for example. So, uh, you know, there's that, and like the Me Plaza basically had like mini Street Pass games sort of built into it that you could buy more of and download. So, uh, like while Wii U you're just chopping off the store like one clean cut I think 3DS you're going to find a a few more maybe like echoes of those stores throughout the system in in a slightly
0: weird way we a big theme shop head, Matthew, we always get on that theme shop. No, I never like, ever
1: used it. <laughs> like I don't know. I think it speaks to the same people who would respond to an advert in a magazine to pay like three pounds for a mobile phone desktop <laughs> background of like
0: Sarah Michelle Geller <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was gonna be Sarah Michelle Geller <laughs> I was about to make a similar joke. It's like, oh fake pornography of Buffy the I vampire mean,
1: I shit. have downloaded
0: the Sarah Michelle Geller three D S theme, obviously. <laughs> i'm more of an alison hannigan man myself Matthew. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh dear uh some niche niche jokes from elder millennials there um so uh good stuff um yeah that's a good point actually because i don't really know much about some of this 3ds stuff you're discussing like the uh me plaza and theme shop and badge arcade i know pokemon bank I, I did use that briefly when i had a phase where i thought oh maybe i'm into pokemon again and i wasn't uh, Spoiler when alert. you didn't trust the high street banks <laughs> yeah i can't trust you know like uh, nationwide to handle my chances and my uh electro buzz <laughs> uh that's pre- precious uh little little dudes um so yeah i did use pokemon bank to move um some of my game boy color uh, Pokemon into the future onto a Nintendo Switch. So my Pikachu from Pokemon Yellow, I think I discussed this in the Pokemon episode, was extracted from his reality and <laughs> now lives in Pokemon Sword and Shield, which is quite twisted as a concept. And that that Ash in Pokemon Yellow no longer has a companion. He's just got like a box with like eight Pidgeys in it, and that's his like life yeah. now. Pretty dark, to be that's honest. Got uh, powerful children being separated from their demon in northern, uh,
1: not northern exposure, northern lights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what uh, they I'm did very... in the optic didn't they They used that guillotine to, to <laughs> slice the spiritual connection between you and your
0: animal power. <laughs> a very apt and specific analogy there so uh yeah good stuff um i like that so <laughs> yes uh so matthew i suppose to get into these shops a bit before we go into some recommendations so hmm. the, the wii u and 3ds e-shops were they a net positive what did you you think of these throughout their lifespan i think the 3ds one was a lot
1: more successful than the wii u one I think Wii U just, like, it had the touch of death on it from so early on because of how badly it bombed and just as a sort of online machine, it felt very rough. You know, as as Ash mentioned last week, for for a while it was, like, incredibly slow. Like, you know, it was a very ugly sort of initial experience with it and it took them some time to kind of really tidy it up and by then no one was really making anything exclusive for it. It didn't really have the kind of like burst of indie support. Um, You know I will say in this episode like we're going to be focusing largely on stuff which is kind of exclusive to or has a specific reason to be on 3DS or Wii U rather than loads of good games that are available elsewhere like Shovel Knight isn't in this episode because you can buy Shovel Knight everywhere even though it was very good on 3DS but like Wii U comparatively didn't have that much stuff you know like its indie library is nowhere near as decent as 3DS's which in turn is nowhere near as decent as what we now have with the Switch so kind of the Wii U I'd say is definitely a bust and like making this list and going through everything I felt well Actually, I can cut this down pretty quickly to to the kind of core things that I need, and part of that's tied in with like a bit of Wii U anti Wii U bias in terms of like the idea of people getting it out of the cupboard to plug it in and download <laughs> things to play on it. Now, like I just I just don't think people are going to have that relationship with the Wii U going forwards, yeah. um, in the way that you could with a 3ds. You know, 3ds is still you know despite l- losing this store, is kind of it still feels like it's in play for you know. Mine still plugs in. It still works. It's all fine. You know, it's it's kind of isn't that unchanged from how it was when you used it last, whatever, four or five years ago, perhaps. So, yeah, 3ds. I think 3ds has got enough stuff to justify its existence. I think 3ds was a lot more successful than we were, and Wii U eShop. But yeah, in in the shadow of Switch, maybe seems. You know it isn't like there's a there's a finite number of things on there which are like truly essential i don't think you can like lose yourself in it in the way that you can the switch store
0: so yeah i think i agree with that assessment i did turn the wii u on the other day and um, when i was doing a bit of research for our wii u hall of fame and it is weird to go on the store and the store's laid out like it's pretending lots of things are still happening on there but right. it's kind of like dominated by breath of the world and things like that whereas I think if the last time I went to my 3DS and looked at the little little news bit, it was kind of just like, oh, the Nintendo Switch is out now, by the way. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Um, The Wii U feels like it's still sort of like, I don't know, trapped in like one particular moment in 2017, and then it was just abandoned, basically. Um, Whereas 3DS is maybe, maybe, it doesn't feel like like more curated, but it does feel like when things happened on Switch, they surface things like Animal Crossing and reminded you you could still play it on there if you wanted to and mm. uh, things like that. It's interesting because I think when the 3DS shop launched, I was like quite big into the idea of it because I think where it differs from something like the Switch store is that the Switch is obviously flooded with loads and loads of uh, multi-format games and you know a massive volume of them which is obviously why the Switch has succeeded and why it's such a, a great console to own. Um the 3DS Store felt more handcrafted, you know, like the uh, s- a lot. It felt like there were more, not too many, but there were a few games that were just laser targeted to release on this thing, like slightly smaller games. I guess I'm mostly talking about the Guild series, Matthew. Right. But that kind of Guild series of 3DS standalone games that were small but perfectly formed and really made sense on 3DS and nowhere else. That sort of thing almost set the tone to me of what the what that store was good for um mm. that combined with the fact that this was the first time that nintendo had sold its handheld uh 3ds full physical games as like um full price games you could buy in its digital store you couldn't do that on ds on dsi you couldn't buy uh, like a full ds game you it was just a no no not
1: at all no it's dsi
0: where only so that was completely new See, so had this mix of like these these handcrafted things that felt specifically for 3ds. Again, not loads of them, but some of them. Um, you know, like everything everything that Nintendo released was on their you know full physical games, and then at mm. the same time, you had this crop of virtual console things bubbling up over time, and it melt- meant that the store had this very specific identity on 3ds. It was like this little combination of um, you know, it was a combination of classic Nintendo things oddball 3ds stuff and like a a sort of growing library of retro games and i thought that was pretty cool you know even though there was like still some rubbish on there particularly when you went to the sales page there's always like some games where it's like called shoe and it's like 4.99 reduced from 7.99 you've never heard of it like (laughs) (laughs) those kinds of games are sort of on there the kind of shovelware but they're not really surfaced it very much felt like i don't know like a a curated digital home for nintendo stuff you know what i mean
1: yeah i I would argue so like maybe the difference between three DS particularly and Switch is that they maybe over curated it and it felt like just an extension of like a Nintendo store. Like yeah. you go on there and on the three DSE shop and it groups everything by like Nintendo franchises. You know, there's there's not a lot of of ways to like surface the big indie hits in the front end menu. If you know what you're looking for, you can find them very easily. Mm. Um, but it felt like you know it was like nintendo learning about digital sales of their own product first and foremost and so it was all kind of geared to that if you look at it it you know it exists inside the nintendo ecosystem completely where if you look at the switch i think it still obviously favors its own product but it plays much nicer with other stuff and you know there's a much healthier kind of mix on the front end i think how they push stuff through you know, charts and sales is um, a bit more sort of friendly to non-Nintendo developers on Switch. Mm. I mean, maybe too much in that it's very easy to exploit and it has its own problems there um, where people, like, you know, cut things down to, like, 50p to send it, like, flying up the charts off kid kids' pocket money and whatnot. But, I, and, and, and the other big difference, like, is that they're, you know, in the Switch era, they are... They're so much better at like promoting it outside of the console, like in streams, little indie directs. You know, the excitement of, here's a big thing and it's available now, or having an online presentation where the centerpiece is a third-party indie game, not a Nintendo product, like, that just wouldn't have happened in, like, the the, the Wii U era. You know, those Nintendo Directs were just so, like, this is, this is the one where it's, like, the message is Mario, Mario, Mario. It wouldn't have been, like, hey, everyone, here's a Nintendo Direct telling you to buy Shovel Knight or SteamWorld Dig, you know? They, they might have been in there, but... So, like, you know, a store which is in its interface more open to other people combined with a marketing department which is more open to other people I think is just sort of like the perfect
0: storm for Switch to like really finally nail it. I think like the reason I sort of have this affection for the 3DS eShop is that I'm not saying that it was like better than the Switch because I don't believe that but I do think it kind of hails from that era where maybe these stores on Xbox and PlayStation had these slightly more personality like there was a personality or a, some kind of through line to the types of stuff on there like yeah summer of um arcade sort of stuff on xbox right, and yeah. playstation doing its own things with like journey and and stuff like that like um i think that the it, 3ds almost feels like it's got some kind of roots in that era where the manufacturers were very much putting their their stamp on this stuff and now i think that to use the switch xbox and playstation stores they all have completely different interfaces but none of them feel that different from each other in terms of like offering or you know what i mean like i don't go to get one specific digital game on one platform i can't get on another it's much more sort of like agnostic now and so yeah. the 3ds has slightly more roots in that time so that's kind of why i've got a little bit of um walk yeah. towards it matthew you know so uh, yeah. yeah and i
1: think the stuff you say about virtual console you know it exists in a very different form now and and maybe there's there is something a bit more special about being able to buy those games back there and like have them and keep them and it just you you know it, they may function the same like for all we know Nintendo Switch Online runs forever and you always have access to those games it's the same kind of end effect but definitely there's there's something I don't know like when you buy something you kind of sort of commit to it in a bigger way than just like pulling something out of a massive online library which you can kind of dip in and there's like no pressure to play it if you've actually spent money you know you're kind of you know, they're, they're because there is a, like a literal buy-in, I think that does kind of change your relationship with those games and maybe f- make them feel a bit more special.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Like, I, I did, um, I did enjoy the virtual console on 3ds, even though it wasn't like. Meg, it didn't have a mega range to it but i think that um it was exciting when link's awakening appeared on there you know yeah that was like oh finally like some handheld games i can is, enjoy on the go you know
1: is this take skewed by the fact that they gave you a shitload
0: of free gba <laughs> games well those gba games were like Super viable and exciting until about two weeks ago when suddenly yeah. i I now realize that all of them are going to obviously roll out some of them already have, but yeah you know, all they're going to roll out at some point um i did yeah i did um very much enjoy that as an early three d s adopter which we discussed before, but it was also like the ownership factor was something it would be really nice to somehow that my but my purchase of um a link to the past still counts as something I can sort of download and own whereas there's a slight sense that if they're closing the Wii U and 3DS shop, that at some point they're just going to switch off those games and then, uh, a completely new initiative, will start on some other Nintendo right, yeah, hardware. Yeah. Like that's not out of the question. So I do miss the ownership element of that. What about um virtual console and Wii U, Matthew? Did that was that a big deal to you at the time? Because they were going big on that stuff even as the Wii U was sort of floundering.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, I don't know if you'd like
0: if you'd consider like the Wii games on Wii U
1: virtual console. Probably not. Like they yeah, went, I, I would. They're, they're went, an oddity, were the team. Yeah, I mean, they? like, you know, they would say that's straight back compact because Wii U can play them, but that's the idea of, like, if you didn't have these discs, you could buy into them. And actually, some of the games they put on there, you know, actually are in my list just because they're that much cheaper to buy on the Wii U store than they are at, out in real life and just the ease of use of finding them. Yeah, that, that was okay. I mean, I quite liked the idea of the DS game Virtual Console on... Mm. on on Wii U, Um, it had a novelty factor in terms of, like, you know, we hadn't had that before, you know, by the time you get to, like, Wii U and 3DS, the idea of, like, playing NES or Stez games is, is a little kind of played out, but... You know, playing those games like blown up on the on the game pad, like you know, in quite a strange new form. You know, like, uh, you know, uh, I've got a couple of suggestions for DS for Wii U, just because there is a there is like a little bit of a novelty factor for, to like seeing like the big fat Kirby sprites in like Kirby Mass Attack. Yeah, you know, you're like, well, this is kind of interesting. Like, you know, it's games which are like touch only to kind of play on that pad as well, and that makes it nice and easy. Yeah, like definitely a curio, but like I, I guess. If, if you were that obsessed about these games, they're still kind of out there in physical thought. You know, they're not beyond the realms of, like, owning them for real. Mm. So maybe that diminishes them a bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is weird that DS games ended up on uh, Wii U and not on 3DS. Like, you can never buy <laughs> digital versions of DS games, which seems like a really strange oversight. Like, think of all the money they left on the table by not yeah. being like, oh, if you want to buy, you know, Final Fantasy the three or four the 3d versions that Scronix did like not selling them for 25 quid that feels like the free money that they just left yeah there, but, yeah uh hey-ho um i'm curious matthew outside of nintendo obviously who do you think the nvps of the 3ds and wii u shops e-shops were in terms of publishers or developers like who was supporting this stuff the most who had the most interesting stuff on there like what mattered the most to you covering this stuff
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it earlier on when you mentioned uh, the Guild games, um, which were published by Level 5. Originally, they were two anthologies of games produced uh, as retail carts in Japan, but then released over here as digital standalones, which I think maybe makes the eShop feel at that early point on 3DS a little more exciting and exotic than it's maybe going to be if you if you just popped in you'd be like wow there are all these interesting games by interesting creators because part of the hook of it was they were they were drawing in developers from outside level five so there was like liberation maiden which was a sort of shooter with suda 51 involvement and there was uh is it bugs versus tanks which is a kg and a funi game and you know th- this idea of like you know level five when they were quite a financial powerhouse back then kind of throwing their money around to get in like superstar developers to make these little oddities like they weren't making them for an anthology and they almost accidentally become like this great advert for the e-shop but like yeah in an ideal world like they're making those things forever you know in an ideal world guild games is like the inside number nine of eShop every (laughs) couple
0: of years you're like
1: well we're going to get six of these things and like three of them are going to be amazing three of them are going to be shit but i'm kind of intrigued to see what they are yeah later the
0: the latent money ran out there matthew (laughs) the latent money that's why
1: latent's back on the menu like level five are like you know what we really miss money let's make more latent games (laughs) So, you know, I'm hoping this is the big comeback and then we'll get Guild 03 on Switch and, like, all will be well (laughs) with the world. Um, But, yeah. uh, Yeah, so, like, they're they're definitely uh, an MVP. I mean, like, you know, Nintendo... Oh, and you said outside, but, like, Nintendo was was definitely more of an MVP on 3DS. You know, they made quite a lot of, like, weird standalone games. They weren't all amazing, but they were definitely trying stuff. And there's this quite sort of... um, sad tier of like th- sort of third-party developers who kind of exclusively made games for nintendo to publish who mm. you imagine were basically a lot of these people if you track them back they once ha- worked at nintendo and then they kind of left to set up their own kind of like development houses and like i can only think of q games that isn't quite right but obviously like dylan cuthbert who founded q games was at um, nintendo and making Star Fox back in the day but like you know there are there are other people like that you know like your Grezos and your genius sonorities and your mitchells you know these were people who were making lots of like ds games you know throughout the ds lifespan and then a lot of them shifted into these little like download games and i always got the feeling that like somewhere in there was a kind of like doing favors for his mates <laughs> um and basically like keeping a, a, a really interesting collection of smaller studios kind of afloat with constant contract work. Mm. And that stuff does die out and those studios, like most of them are gone. And it, it, it probably explains why one of the weaknesses of Switch is I think you know there there is a missing tier of like download digital only size ten pound games from Nintendo. Because I think the people who used to make them basically couldn't survive the kind of gap between 3DS and Wii U and Switch. And that did for them. And, you know, that's, you know, it's a bit of a tragedy. You know, a more extreme one is like Alpha Dream, you know, who make the Mario and Luigi games and then they're gone. You know, eventually these, these they all proved to be unsustainable. But, um, you know, definitely on 3DS, a lot of these, you know, the, where these studios lived was in eShop games not in retail 3ds games
0: yeah i think that like um that's that's fair you know they're sort of like i like the the a water assessment there of like you know i'll do a favor for my mates you know sort of like are his mean, like, his version of having ash on our podcast yeah you know I'm, I mean?
1: I'm basing that on nothing but you know how it is you yeah know? of course well, like, you know, when you've who do you with work people? with you know <laughs> yeah when you when people are like reliable you try and do right by them and i think that's like a natural i think that's a natural human instinct that does survive in business
0: definitely yeah plus um you know like that. you sort of nintendo also needs trusted collaborators for the sheer amount of stuff the volume of stuff they need making for their their hardware so that you know makes sense to go to people who are like trusted for sure Mm. um do you think that capcom are an mvp here matthew because i think that the actual the phoenix right the two phoenix Wright 3ds games are actually a little bit unusual in terms of they didn't have a physical release here um but they are basically full price games that you could buy on 3ds and um capcom i feel like because they also had like resi revelations on there 3ds felt like a little bit better supported from them Than maybe it was by other publishers, including even like Japanese publishers like Square Enix and stuff. Were Capcom an MVP as well? Is that fair? Yeah.
1: um, Whether they were like specifically like an eShop MVP, I think they were just a gen a general MVP. I think what happens for the 3DS with Capcom is that it coincides with like Capcom coming out of that disastrous generation of like 360, where Hmm. it's basically like all over the shop, and their their whole kind of deal seems to shift to that, you know, engines which scale between platforms so that one game can live on everything. You get the, oh, uh, what the fuck is it called? You've now got like the, the RE engine, but the, the thing that they made a lot of games in meant that they could scale them down to 3 3DS. M-
0: MT Framework, I think it was called. That's
1: it, yeah. I think that's a big part of it because all of a sudden that's why you get like a Monster Hunter that can exist on both 3DS and Wii U. It's basically the same version. You know, it's hmm. why Resident Evil Revelation starts on 3DS and then obviously comfortably runs in HD on everything else where it eventually gets released. So that's just, you know, Capcom's whole deal has been to like spam everything everywhere apart from Street Fighter. And that's worked wonders for them. I, yeah, the, the 3DS Phoenix rights are weird ones because, you know, hardened Ace Attorney fans definitely kicked off at the time that they were digital only because they were like, well, this, you know, what, what what is this series now? You know, it's like, it's big enough to make sequels, but it's not big enough to kind of like gamble on a physical release. And I always mm. thought that seems slightly unwise given that the kind of audience you had with Ace Attorney, you know, they would have bought something. You know, it's kind of like... It's like an anime and manga crowd. You know, they, they're used to being, like, gouged. <laughs> and <laughs> they could be gouged. You know, it's idiots who spend 20 quid on, like, six episodes of Naruto on a DVD. You know? Um, <laughs> it's you in 2008, basically. It's absolutely me <laughs> in 2006. Um, yeah. And uh, so, like... You know, that's, that's an odd one. And, and like... I th- I just think probably the truth is with Capcom is that they're very, very pragmatic and they just do everything by the numbers now. They're playing it very safe. They know they got into a very bad place and they've very carefully kind of moved out of it. And now, you know, when they put Ace Attorney Trilogy on everything and there's suddenly renewed interest, you know, then their next game that they remaster in that series does have a physical release, you know, mm. and they're just taking, like, baby steps. They're weighing it all up. I, I-, I think it's, you know... They they seem to be on top of their you know what they're doing and I like what they're putting out and I like the balance of re-releases to like new stuff so I kind of trust them I don't want to step on the toes of our Capcom draft <laughs> episode well
0: <laughs> well no Ace Attorney Chronicles um released here in the, on physically it was released digitally here um I think my copy my physical copy is from the US so there's still right, a little yes, lack no, of no, yeah well that's
1: yes so even even there they're not at a place where they can they can put it you know outright everywhere but um you know a version a version of it
0: exists physical somewhere in the world that makes sense yeah so matthew just to kind of wrap up before we go into the picks. so um do you think going back to games on 3ds is a tough hang these days especially as the switch's functionality has sort of like grown over time i ask this because I think there's something like, even though I love like the form factor of the 3DS, and I think that some games truly are at home on it in a way where I don't think you could port it elsewhere and then get the same impression because mm. the art style was very carefully scaled to like you know um, the cut functionality of the DS or the 3DS. Um, I do think it's like still when, next to a Switch OLED, it simply doesn't feel like modern technology, and that's like uh... a, that that's a barrier to get over a little bit. But do you share that, or is that just me?
1: I can sort of see where you're coming oh, from. Like that. I think the thing that i think is fundamentally true about the 3ds is that it was a, a handheld only people know that going in everything is tailored to that you know i think there is certain genres and a certain tier of games which struggles to live on switch because people expect something a bit more you know because it has to live both portable and on the tv you know the like for whatever reason like a Like the Picross games, I was obsessed with Picross on the DS. You know, played three D, you know, three DS Picross games. But on Switch, I that feels a little kind of sparse to me. You know, that to me, something triggers in my head and says, "This, this doesn't really belong on here. This is a like a different level of gaming." And I think maybe that's just a psychological effect. But I, you know, when I'm playing stuff on three DS, it just fits. The form factor you know it is designed very so clearly for portable play in in the way that you know there is a difference between you know a portable game and a home game um it's kind of hard to pin down what that difference is but it, it means it's not really a hurdle for me uh yeah in, in, in the same way but like yeah it's like it's definitely a bit of a tough hang in terms of like everything is a couple of seconds too slow to change menus you know it isn't like <laughs> It doesn't feel modern in that sense, uh, you know. i compared to Wii U, 3DS feels like you know a rocket ship. It's wild, <laughs> like how how fucking slow Wii U is. But next to Switch, it's like it's clearly like a ten year old handheld.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny as well how dirty that bottom screen gets, like when you haven't touched it for a while. Somehow <laughs> it's not been anywhere. Dirty, where.
1: dirty fingers.
0: Oh no, no, it's not that. It's just that like there's just that kind of like thin white layer of vague dust and stuff around the out, outside of that bottom Speaking screen <laughs> well you know my house is not like you know my house is reasonably clean but it's not you know super clean i'll say house is two rooms but still um <laughs> so yeah that's uh that's uh, something no i still love the 3ds but um yeah i think they're like uh, someone pointed this out to me a while ago they're like when you are used to the switch and all the kind of joys that the switch brings it's like there's a little you, you do almost have to like you know you do have to bear in mind its age somewhat and i will say that the wii u is still a tougher hang than the 3ds because as oh, we discussed yeah. it's the plugging in the hard drive that kills me <laughs> that's the that third, by the time you're plugging in your third device to make the wii u work you're done you're the like third, you're, the third yeah. plug is just it's just a no no like, <laughs> yeah
1: one plug or bust <laughs>
0: yeah that's it a while ago someone asked reggie well how come there was um how come you never did it so you could play with two game pads on the same wii u and he was like oh you know we just didn't get around to any games that sort of use that functionality and i was like no it's because no one's got fucking four plug sockets for this thing they've got to keep their tv plugged (laughs) in as well do you know what i mean oh okay that's grim
1: it's 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 all not to just rag on the Wii, but like it's so grim you almost don't want to recommend anything on the eShop it's almost <laughs> just like let it close like this this is going this e-shop is going out of business for a reason yeah the 3ds e-shop is like oh no i can't believe that amazing sweet shop's closing you know yeah. like i mourn it but this one's like you know oh it's like when that that shop which was cri- uh, only sold christmas decorations in <laughs> shop. you're like eh, you know it was gimmicky
0: you need to yeah the three DS um shop shutting is like a, a, a great sweet shop that only sold eight types of sweets I like is closing. That's what's that's what it is. It didn't sell every type of sweet, but the sweets it had, they were really good. That's that kind of thing. Yeah. Um well yeah. Switch is like kingdom of sweets. Yeah. You know? Like very
1: <laughs> yeah. obnoxious, but very like clean cut and it's just what people want.
0: Yeah, and slightly better price as well. Anyway, uh, before we get too deep into the candy uh, sort of like lore of Bath. Candy um, (laughs) matter, Yeah, exactly. Um, It would make such a big difference as well if the Wii U just had flash, like a flash memory and SD card slot that you could just treat like the Switch, you do with a Switch. Like it would be so much less of a hassle to kind of get it out and plug it in. But anyway, no more ragging on the Wii U. Matthew, let's take a quick break and come back with some recommendations. Let's do it. welcome back to the podcast so some recommendations we're going to start with wii u then we're going to move on to 3ds matthew has compiled all of these i've played some of them but not nearly as many of course matthew is the nintendo authority on this podcast i just waffle on about ps3 uh, brown shooters and other bullshit so matthew how have you gone about picking recommendations for this list
1: i mean i i just went through the shop and looking down a big list of all the things and not Thinking, oh yeah, I have a fond memory of that, or no, I don't have a fond memory of that, and um, yeah, like there's no real great science to it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. So, yeah, I appreciate your honesty. I even wrote that question in the plan. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and you got tripped up by your own question and end up Poising just being on honest. My on. <laughs> I had no role in that. Amazing. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Why are you not recommending cheap versions of games also available in retail? Another question that you wrote. Oh, now. yeah.
1: Because, well, this, this was sort of put to us, sort of, sort, of, sort of, in the Discord. And there are lots of games you can buy in retail and digital only, where now, due to scarcity, they are much cheaper to buy than digital. And obviously, I would recommend that. But it's such an enormous task to compare the two libraries like to scroll through ebay and go this one yes this one no this one yes because you have a you can have a certain feeling like there are certain things which are you sort of know like well this didn't feel like it was very popular at the time so i imagine now it'd be very hard to get and you can kind of base it on that like it's just too big a library. And fundamentally, like, if you really cared that much, there are physical versions of those games in the world. Like, the eShop closing does not cut you off from those things. It may spike the market in pre-owned prices, annoyingly. But that, that felt like a whole other episode. And, like, I think if you really care that much about the 3DS games, you'd probably be on top of the scene. Like, I don't really think you'll be coming to these machines i don't think i'd be surprised if anyone listening to this episode is buying a 3ds in march to make the most of it now
0: yeah i agree with that plus we also did a 3ds hall of fame with scrubs uh, like about a year and maybe two years ago now actually yeah but that, that covered all the basics i will also say that for 3ds retail games this doesn't apply to all of them like you yeah, have kind of um you know ace tourney uh, professor layton's i'm pretty sure that nintendo i don't know if it still manufactures 3ds games but i think it has been for quite a long time because if you go to amazon uk a lot of these games are available to buy directly from amazon brand new right now so stuff that i thought was out of print majora's mask 3d dragon quest 8 um i've seen these games be scarce and be expensive but the price of them has come down because there are retail copies of them still available which makes me think nintendo has quietly been supporting 3ds in the background with this stuff because it knows it keeps selling so it's not like yeah i mean I would say that like they should be the exceptions that you're buying digitally for that reason, rather than the rule. That that feels like the way to go to me. But um, yeah, yeah, too many games. Um, cool, Matthew. Let's kick off with your first recommendation.
1: Yeah, so first one, uh, I'd say like if you buy one game before the Wii U sh- uh, store closes, uh, it's Affordable Space Adventures. Um, which was uh, one of our Wii U Hall of Fame games from last week with Ash. Uh, This is, of course, the 2D space adventure where you control a spaceship on the screen, but uh, on the Wii U gamepad, you basically have the cockpit where you can kind of recalibrate the ship and change uh elements of the ship to survive the puzzles on screen so that might be like switching off the engine for a particular reason and uh, many many different things and you know the puzzle is working out how to kind of like control uh the kind of innards of your ship on the gamepad while surviving on the TV screen it's one of the only tr- t- true kind of like dual screen games on wii u that makes proper use of the of the hardware's possibilities it's already slightly nobbled because of it has like some miiverse stuff which should be in it which isn't in it anymore um but like 99 percent of what this makes this game special is
0: still there for you to enjoy okay great yeah come up a few times and uh yeah i can't remember if i i think i might have bought this already actually but uh yeah certainly one for me to tick off what's there yeah. next Matthew uh so next up is Year Walk which I also
1: gave a passing mention to which is the Samogo kind of Nordic forest folklore horror adventure um this was you know one of their games that they made for iOS what I really like about Samogo is that they they really really lent into what made the Wii U the Wii U I think they made this um in collaboration with Daka Dako um who is another studio it's run by a really interesting guy called Roger Bent, who um, used to work at uh, Q Games, who worked on Star Fox Command back in the day. He's a huge evangelist for not just Nintendo hardware, but working to the specificity of nintendo hardware so he really like embraced wii u and another one of his games is on my list in a moment but um yeah year walk i think he was involved with the porting of that and yeah it just takes this game blows it up onto the tv pulls loads of functionality into the gamepad to kind of like enrich the lore of the world in terms of like something where you want to go if you want to see where you do something on both screens and feel like someone really loved the hardware, um, mm. this is this is quite a good pick, and it's it's about like six pounds, so it's 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 not a, a you know it's not going to break the bank as a short little horror experience. Quite spooky, I think you'd like this one.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah, I've got. Um, I think I had this on one of the Apple devices I used to have, yeah. but uh, never played it. But they've um,
1: ported it to PC as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there something specifically about the functionality you think is worth, you know, buy? I mean, it's if, you, just if there's a choice between this and the PC version, would yeah, you buy well, this like, one?
1: Like, yeah, I mean, personally, I would say this just because they, they, they tailored it so much and, and, you know, brought stuff out into that second screen and used some stuff with, like, sound effects on the second screen. Like, mm. I think they did as elegant a job bringing it to every platform. But, like, Wii U is just such an, such an odd platform that most people bounced off of um, mm. to see someone, like really like understand it and want to do right by it you know if we can throw them whatever a pound of
0: royalties
1: this late <laughs> in the day we should do it
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely oh my god you just reminded me actually of my wii u you know how the gamepad's like audio is meant to be completely in sync with your tv all oh, right um, for some reason the gamepad is running like half a second behind and the cursed noises coming out of that thing when I was playing fucking Star Fox Zero, like um that was just like it was it was not good. I was like, Oh, this is very cursed. It used to be this amazing synchronicity and now it's like something's gone wrong and it's a little bit behind. Uh that's what that's the price you pay for getting your Wii U out in um twenty twenty three. Okay, next up then, Matthew. This uh, another interesting sounding indie thing here.
1: Yeah, this is uh, well, this is the game I was referencing. This is Daco Daco's Scram Kitty and his buddy on Rails, a top-down sort of twin stick arcade shooter where the, the gimmick was you are this cat in this sort of like magnetic wheel which grinds along rails. You sort of view down from the the, the uh, you're sort of viewing from a top-down perspective and sort of shooting out from this little wheel with one stick while you kind of steer it along these rails with the other and and use the kind of, like, momentum and the kind of physics of grinding on these rails to kind of fling yourself off and magnetise to other rails. Mainly uses the, like... The gamepad and tv combo to kind of give you like a slightly better view on one screen than you get on the other so you can get like you know you're kind of doing quite specific targeting on one and and seeing like the wider play field on the other um i i have a kind of like a a sort of slightly abnormal not abnormal fondness for this but maybe an exaggerated fondness for it because this is quite a big game for us on O&M in terms of, like, an indie developer was like, super into Wii U. We did some really great interviews with Rod about this, and he was always really, really generous with his time, and, you know, he's a very deep thinker about Nintendo hardware, which I really love, and, you know, this is a, this is a really fun little arcade shooter. Um, I think Year Walk is maybe, like, of, of the work that they're involved with, is, is maybe like the slightly, like, flashier Wii U game. Mm. Um but this this was cool he that they're the daka daka they also made the that uh is it like cloud gods kills the pilgrims or uh the little i think it was like a psp little arcade game they always turn up in interesting places doing interesting things daka,
0: daka. yeah with uh, very specific types of game titles evidently yeah <laughs> yeah okay cool another good recommendation there yes uh, matthew i think it's about time you talked about nez remix for the fourth episode in a row whatever <laughs> oh, it is fucking hell. <laughs> Yeah, how did this become like one of our go-to games? That's weird. It, it, it really did. I don't know how that happened either. But yeah, it's just I, like, I yeah. guess uh,
1: what I wanted to clarify here because there's been sort of, sort of to and fro on this remix, which is again a mini-game collection which takes classic NES games and sort of turns them into like WarioWare-esque challenges based around individual moments from those games. There is a 3DS version, but that version is kind of like a best of one and two and has fewer games than one and two. Ah. And I actually think. If you really want to have the full NES Remix experience, you want to buy one and two. If you only had to buy one, buy NES Remix 2 because it's got the slightly friendlier, better known first-party games in it. But it's, it's weird things like, quick do, a, you know, do a, a, a Zelda level as Kirby, or like, do this first level of Kirby, but you can't breathe out, so if to hold the kind of breath in the whole level, and things like that. It just they, they went in and like tinkered with what these games could do and put different characters in different games. Uh, a really playful side of Nintendo, like one of their rare Wii U eShop games full stop that they made also happens to be really interesting.
0: Yeah, okay. Ice climber, but you've got no hands. You know, like it's (laughs) (laughs) just—it's absolutely hell. Uh, Doctor Mario, but it's Wario. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and he's been (laughs) struck off, struck off by the NHS. Uh, Yeah. Um, Okay, good. Um, Yeah, I didn't realise the 3DS version wasn't the whole thing. That's good—a good uh, clarity point for previous pods. So that's decent. Okay. Next up, Matthew. Another Uh, game that's come up two weeks in a row somehow. Yeah,
1: I've I've put Star Fox Guard in there just because, like. As Ash said, you can buy this. This was sold in other forms. This is a sort of standalone, kind of sort of tower defense game set in the Star Fox universe that was packaged in with some copies of Star Fox Zero. So, like, you can feasibly get this outside of the store. But it's also a kind of like a bit of a Miyamoto passion project it kind of grew out of a Wii U prototype that he was kind of hawking at E3 going around going who wants to see my prototypes While well, people kind of shrugged this is one that gets <laughs> turned into a game if if you were a truly obsessive nintendo head the idea of like let, not owning a thing which has had like Miyamoto involvement at some point you know i i could understand why you might want this in your collection
0: yeah um, i it's what I'm not going to bother with because no. I do agree that it's quite a specific, you know, it's an interesting specific thing. It's got Platinum's name on it. It's got Nintendo EPD on yeah. it like it's, but uh, I don't know. They, I frankly think this should have just been included with Star Fox Zero on yeah, the same I disc. Like, they should have been together, you know.
1: I think the kind of person who would care about this would have already own this. Yeah, yeah, that's super. So pretty, if you don't already own it,
0: don't buy it cuz you you don't care enough. <laughs> Nonetheless, it made the list. So Well, you know, I
1: felt <laughs> like I listen, the Wii U list is kind of short, so
0: Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so next up, Matthew, got a bunch of games here under the virtual console banner. So uh, Yeah,
1: so uh, like yeah. this is the one place I do break my rule where I think now some of these games are quite expensive to buy on Wii as box copies, they're harder to find. Maybe you can get them on yeah, here They're all £18 to buy on Wii Virtual Console. Um, I haven't checked all of these. Some of these I know are hard to find. Some of them I just think are good. Um, I've put Beat the Beat Rhythm Paradise, which is the Rhythm Heaven game, uh, which we famously did a lovely cover for for Nintendo Game. I say famously, it was
0: famous to me. Um, It's come up at least five times in this podcast. Yeah, like some
1: people say there's a 3DS... Game which kind of incorporates a lot of the mini-games from this, but there's also something about blasting that music out of a big, fat TV, which is very satisfying. So I wouldn't say the 3DS game completely over overwrites this. Pandora's Tower, a kind of strange, meat-eating, sort of slightly castlevania slightly Zelda-y uh, game where you had a chain whip which you fired out with the Wii pointer. Mm. Quite expensive to buy now. £18, very sound for... for Uh, Probably one of those sevens, Um, (laughs) but one of those sevens that Nintendo published, which makes it kind of um, even more curious. Um, Sin and Punishment, successor of the skies. This is the Wii U Sin and Punishment, a.k.a. Sin and Punishment 2. Again, quick glance, very, very expensive to buy. Sin and Punishment is kind of cool. It's good to get behind treasure. This won't exist in any other format uh, outside of Wii. So why, why the hell not?
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's uh, d- uh, yeah, an interesting one. And yeah, again, you know, a lot of these games, they look nicer on Wii U two because it upscales the, the picture. So you're getting that experience as well. Yeah. Um, okay, what's next, Matthew? Metroid Prime Trilogy. Uh,
1: I I don't actually know how much is this to buy on Wii as a retail copy, but... A lot, a lot. A lot, but well, there we go. £18 then, good value for money. I mean, is it diminished a bit by this remaster existing? You know, we don't know if we're ever going to see two and three again. I, mm. I don't think you know worst case scenario you're 18 quid out of pocket um <laughs> uh, i think i can think of worse things that could happen than you end up owning metroid prime two and three on top <laughs> of a remastered metroid Prime one
0: yeah i think that um the rumor is that uh retro did metroid prime one remaster and then like the two and three i think are being outsourced with their you know their supervision basically that's what i think the rumor was on a right. reddit i read but uh yeah mm. while they focus on metro prime 4 so yeah well, you know for the time being at least this is probably the easiest way to just play those if you've got the appetite after um you know playing the uh the switch remaster for the first yes. one okay next one matthew i know nothing about this next uh, one. so
1: this one's interesting like i don't think it's a great game it's called a shadow's tale it's a konami 2d platformer where you play as the shadow of a boy kind of interacting with the shadows of a world in the foreground. The big kind of puzzle mechanic is like shifting the shadows by moving things around in the foreground to kind of like create new paths for him. In the run-up to this, you know, people thought this might be like the Wii's Ico. You know, it has that kind (laughs) of slightly dreamy look. Like it looks like it could come from that team in, in terms of like its sort of vibe. As it turns out, it was merely fine. But to buy now is, like, probably plus £100. Mm. Like, this was a very niche game. It's, like, a a really odd inclusion on the Virtual Console service. You know, just to own a strange bit of Wii history, Um, you
0: could do worse than buying A Shadow's Tale. Yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah, definitely uh, yeah, a sort of offbeat pick there. I can yeah. see what you mean superficially from the. the yeah, you shows. know what I mean? It's
1: got that sort of slightly like D diddly D kind of like. <laughs> r- <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a
0: while since we rolled that one out, so yeah. yeah. Ooh, I'm
1: Mr. Ico. Ooh. <laughs>
0: Um, uh, we could do ICO 2 on the Wii. We can we can do this in yeah four ATI stretched onto a uh, HD TV. Also, um, just like yeah. can you know a, a, a fond
1: um, memento of when like Konami made loads of games. Yeah, uh, you like, could take loads load of out of there. And uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, they're going to again, Matthew. If uh, you know, obviously we've got the Silent Hills coming and some other stuff probably. Yeah. fingers crossed. They're back. Um, they're back, baby.
1: A shad- yeah. This is where they're like they do their their. Um, online direct for shadow's tale expanded <laughs> universe and they've got like five different games coming from the shadow's
0: tale team and a movie you
1: know and like it's <laughs> yeah. and a theme park at universal studios
0: yeah and uh, yeah a movie specifically directed by christoph gans or whatever he's called that guy <laughs> uh okay good uh <laughs> <laughs>
1: what's your um, next one matthew yeah project zero two aka one of the fatal frames uh this uh yeah very hard to buy i, th- I think it's rock solid um you know i just want to buy like newer exciting um fatal frames but for like completionists horror fans everyone likes a little scare 18 pounds for a couple of scares that sounds okay
0: yeah Absolutely. So that's, um, that will probably come out again at some point as well on other formats. But yeah, I mean, they are, yeah,
1: re releasing all of those things. Um, and last up, a little shout out for Second and Wiki. I actually think you can probably find this for cheaper than 18 quid, to be honest. Mm, yeah, you can definitely um, let, get this
0: around less than a tenner, I think. So, but
1: yeah. like, I can't talk Wii on Wii U without talking about zach and Wiki. Or I have to hand in my Capcom puzzle card. <laughs> so, um, yes. Okay. Uh, um, Similar deal for DS Virtual Console. Uh, I'm actually going to skip a couple of these because they're ass. Uh, Well, they're (laughs) ass, but they're they're not needed. Um, The interesting one here, I would say, is Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon, which is quite expensive to buy on DS. Uh, And, uh, like, we kind of shrugged it off a little bit. I, I, I feel like, in my magazine history anyway, we had a similar relationship with Fire Emblem that we did with Kirby where we didn't necessarily show it the love it deserved at the time and mm. now I'm like god damn it why don't I own a copy of uh, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon on DS which I think is a kind of all singing or dancing remake of like the original Fire Emblem or the second one definitely one of the uh, earlier Fire Emblems anyway um, mm. but yeah like a little thing you could play on that touchscreen, tapping away it's going to be cheaper than actually buying it on DS uh,
0: that sounds sound to me yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good, a good shout. Worth just looking at what was put on that virtual console just to see what an oddity it is to have um, all these yeah. DS games available on a home console. So yeah. go poke around see what you see what you can find. What's next, um, Matthew?
1: Yeah, next one. Super Mario Advance 4, Super Mario Brothers 3. This was a GBA game uh, that you could buy on virtual console. Um, this one including for like pure curio value so famously when this originally came out on gba it had the functionality of an e-card reader where you could get these collectible cards scan them and unlock downloadable levels Uh, not downloadable like but sort of like extra levels in the game but infamously you know that system wasn't like popular enough and they never fully released all of those things in the West. I don't think they released them at all in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um what's interesting about this is it's a port of the GBA it, not a port, it is the GBA game, but they've unlocked all those uh e-card e-reader levels. So like this is a real like if you are a Mario Obsessive, there is something quite interesting about about buying this Game Boy Advance port of Super Mario Bros. 3 and enjoying these extra levels which weren't formerly available in the west but have just been unlocked as a matter of course as this part of this specific virtual console download now the caveat with this is they could well bring this with these unlocks to nintendo switch online like you would think if things have been on these services in the past they would be the first games to naturally come to like the gba section of the switch Mm. um so like i i i I feel like that's probably gonna happen, but it is cool the idea of like buying this thing, which has this little quirk, which means it has these extra levels um yeah thirty eight levels in all, and they did kind of interesting things in that they were like they kind of mixed and matched mechanics that it feels a little bit like Mario Makery if you ever mm. look these things up online, so like it would be like you're doing a level from super mario brothers 3 but it's got they've they've added in the kind of radish turnip pulling from super mario brothers 2 or like it's the cape from uh super mario world and you're flying through levels from super mario brothers 3 so it's it's like definitely a deep cut um but i know a lot of people
0: are very fond of it so i thought i'd include it yeah good shout and not something you discussed before on the podcast that's a good one a couple more on wii matthew
1: yeah i i've i've said like if you're gonna buy a game a full game that is retail digital you could maybe buy xenobay chronicles x because (laughs) the digital version means you don't have to worry about downloading all the extra like fast loading packs which you have to download to make the physical version run better right um like, just from a less of a ball-ache perspective, owning a digital copy of, of Xenoblade Chronicles X, uh, I don't know, f- makes more sense to me. Like, I'm assuming under their update rule, you'll still be able to re-download the high-speed download pa- uh, texture packs mm. for the physical copy, should you own it. Um, but, you know, do you really want to be doing all that? That's a huge pain in the ass. But
0: Yeah it is quite pricey as well to buy a physical copy of this it's 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 probably going to spike massively as well when this store closes yeah. so yeah but and like, i just also, i can't be arsed personally i don't know so, yeah.
1: like i think if you don't own xenoblade chronicles x by now like <laughs> why are you buying it in the last four weeks of the store? like that that seems like a weird <laughs> move to me like
0: <laughs> because matthew castle told me to well, that's the answer
1: <laughs> care about it like i just don't know that this game is going to like speak to you this is like a harder xenoblade to enjoy than the other ones and yeah. that's going in as someone who is super invested in xenoblade if you're just like ah, oh, i'll see what the deal about this thing is in its last week on sale like yeah. i don't know what do you expect to happen
0: <laughs> this is like the um sort of um uh tokyo jungle uh for the ps3 digi episode that i did basically it's right. like <laughs> you would have bought this by now you know um but yes maybe with some more prestige so matthew one more wii game
1: yeah, um, I've just put Mini Mario and Friends because it's free. This is like, uh, a, like a Mario versus Donkey Kong puzzler. Uh, we talked a little bit about this series last week and about how it didn't really do it for either uh, Ash or myself. Um, this one is free to download, but you unlock new levels with Amiibo. So if you own a shitload of Amiibo, this is, you know, it's free. Uh, the only version of Mario and Donkey Kong I would really go to bat for is a free version. <laughs> um, I wouldn't ever really spend money on this series myself, so... Um you know, that's there. You may as well get free stuff while
0: it's there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you've gone to the trouble of plugging in your uh, HDD into your your mains socket. <laughs> oh, so so um, Okay, so that's Wii you, Matthew. 3DS here. So definitely some stuff we talked about on that 3DS episode, but like a, a kind of like a much bigger treasure trove here. So uh, yeah, when it kicks off.
1: Yeah, so uh, Attack of the Friday Monsters. Um, this is uh, another one of the, the guild games... First up is Attack of the Friday Monsters, a Tokyo Tale, which is one of the Guild 02 compilation games. Um, we've talked about it on this podcast before, uh, made by Millennium Kitchen uh, and designed by someone called Kaz Ayabe, who is better known for a uh, Japanese series called Boko no Natsu Yasumi, um, which uh, have come to like prevalence through like a couple of like celebrity fans um tim rogers basically made a big video essay about this series which kind of like brought it to a lot of people's attention it was one of those like six hour videos um which i know some people have an appetite for um and uh so this series of games that he made in the past are kind of about like every they're sort of everyday rpgs you sort of on summer holidays and it's about pottering around as a kid and collecting bugs and going fishing they're very low-key they're sort of like slight animal crossing energy to them but like married to a, a a sort of single player narrative a sort of very light rpg and this was a version of that for 3ds um about a boy who lives in a town doing chores uh there is a strange narrative hook in that on friday there are these sort of uh, giant monsters appear to fight uh you know like sort of kaiju style kind of godzilla monsters um and it's all about kind of working out what the deal is of this kind of very low-key slightly dreamy narrative rpg um quite a short little throwaway game but like a very distinct gem like only lives on 3ds um personally like i had a much better time with this than i did the crayon shin chan kind of uh, version of this series which came out last year on switch mm. um which has a similar kind of summer holiday vibe, except you have to spend it all with Crayon Shin Chan, who I fucking hate. Um, <laughs> so this little boy who, like screams the whole time; it's quite hard work. Um,
0: gets, his di- gets his dick out, if I recall, on the oh, the anime. just all kinds yeah. of
1: stuff. Um, kind of, yeah. It has the it has the shape of a game I should love, but the <laughs> the, the protagonist was was so ghastly. Um, this this one, on the other hand, is like far less um, obnoxious, much easier to buy into um yeah like this we we really champion this on O&M it's got a you know a, a real kind of sort of uh, cult fan following feels like something that will be greatly missed uh when it sort of vanishes uh with the with the shop
0: mm. yeah so, so yeah well, I think we discussed that on the uh, 3ds episode um yes so yeah definitely the, definitely the kind of one of like one of the obvious like ones to pick up from the guild collection like it's just it really stands out with its art style
1: I'm gonna rattle through some things which are like super popular, which we've covered a lot on this, and just sort of get them a little shout out. They're there, they're very, you know, they're 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 interesting and worth grabbing. Um, Another guild game, Crimson Shroud, which had involvement from. Oh, Mr. Matsuno Yasu- Yasumi Matsuno of uh, Final Fantasy Tactics fame, um, uh, a really interesting kind of like tabletop RPG where you roll dice like physically into the world and play with little kind of like uh, cast iron figures. Uh, that's that's absolutely brilliant. Pool blocks Nintendo's first party series where you pull blocks in and out of the. The, the background to the foreground makes really good use of 3DS it's also on Wii U but I would suggest the 3DS iterations of this because they make really good use of stereoscopic 3D Um Hydra Venture Spin Cycle which is uh, my favorite water-based sort of Metroid-y puzzle platformer. Uh, This one, interestingly, is controlled entirely with tilt controls, where you're kind of sloshing this water about, changing its state between liquid, gas, and solid, um, and using those different kind of characteristics to shatter levels and solve lots of puzzles. That's Mm. really cool. I also want to give a shout-out to the BoxBoy Trilogy, which is a series we haven't really talked about. And t- to be honest, this is more of a Catherine shout-out. She'd kill me if I don't include it on this list. Um, made by How, Absolutely adorable mascot. It's like a square with legs, but the animation <laughs> on his little legs is very, very endearing. His puzzle mechanic is he can kind of, like um stretch out and create more blocks which he then throws in the world to build little staircases but it obviously escalates massively from there and across three games they layer in more and more mechanics i think by the last one you've got like a wife and kids who are also boxes and having to guide them around and all this mad stuff's happening um particular shout out to this because the first one's called box boy the sequel is called box box boy uh and the <laughs> last one is called bye bye box boy on 3ds um mm. there is a we there is a switch uh sequel to these but it isn't a compilation like when these are gone they are gone and like it's how how um the lovely creators of kirby so we should get behind it i i don't really have time to dig into like the shin megami tensei scene on 3ds but it is kind of amazing there are loads of games which are absolutely like beloved as cult classics. The Shin Megami Tensei 4, Strange Journey, Soul Hackers, Devil Survivor 1 and 2 remakes. The Shin Megami Tensei community will argue for years about which of these is the best, but they are all in agreement that most, most of the games bearing the Shin Megami Tensei name are excellent on 3DS, and it's quite hard to go wrong. I would personally say... Shin Megami Tensei 4 just because it's a mainline series like so much effort and love goes into it like there are maybe quirky and more interesting things happening in the other uh SMT games but um yeah this
0: is this is the place to go for that um yeah. I, I think like, as well put... the, this will probably get ported at some point um you think just so. because- well, Sega's doing and Odyssey*, right? They're doing that one now. Yeah. and so it makes me think that these will be in line at some point, just based on how diligent they've been with getting other, like the Persona games, onto PC. It's got to be on the list at some point, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I, but still, like they, they, they sort of these are a good fit as RPGs. It's like yeah. you know, it's famously sort of. The games before Persona, it's like Persona without as much story and all the kind of sort of anime horniness. It's like uh, maybe a purer kind of like dungeon monster battling game, which makes them a little colder to the touch, but maybe deeper strategically. Mm. Um, Shin Megami Tensei, we should probably do an episode about this if I ever get my ass in gear and play more of these games. I'm a dabbler, a self confessed dabbler. Ace Attorney, the two games, they're they are Dual Destiny's Spirit of Justice. They are available on Android and maybe iOS, definitely Android. So they don't they don't they're not gonna die with the eShop. But these are games that live on Nintendo handhelds. Um I really love the 3D, stereoscopic 3D in both these games. Spirit of Justice I really, really rate as like one of the best ace attorneys. Dual Destiny's is one of the weaker ones, but like I think they're about £20 each like they they feel like if you have any interest in ace attorney you should probably own these games you should also be sure to buy the dlc case for each of these games because uh the one in dual destinies is probably one of the stronger cases in that game it's where you are uh, a a killer whale is on trial you're basically doing a trial at a sea park um trying to get a you know like a shamu-esque whale killer whale um you know Get, get him a, a not guilty verdict and uh the spirit of justice case is like a big time travel mystery about mm. someone seems to have traveled in time to, to commit a crime or not so those will also close with the store so you need to buy the game download it and then buy that case from inside the game <laughs>
0: um that is yeah important. i did that ritual myself like yeah about a year ago and it was a pain in the ass but i'm glad i've done it you know so yeah all, all um, complete
1: On a similar note, Fire Emblem Fates, which is famously the game with multiple campaigns, what I will say about this is this is already off sale as a core game. You cannot buy Fire Emblem Fates on the e-store. You can wow. buy a physical copy of either Birthright or Conquest. It kind of like, think Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue. That's how they kind of split this. And then from within those games, you can still buy the other campaigns, which are then naturally cheaper. You know, you pay for the main game and then you buy the other campaigns. Um, Birthright's the easy one conquest is the really hard one revelation is the kind of thing which kind of brings it all together once you've played those two and kind of fills in the gaps and is like the sort of narrative cherry on top Mm. but you know again if you don't have these games by now like you probably don't care enough about fire emblem for
0: this to be worthwhile (laughs) Yeah, okay, that's a fair point. Uh I think I did also do the the ritual here of buying all the content I needed from within it, just in case I ever did get around to this fire emblem on top of the other seven that I own. So that's right. uh, good good stuff, Matthew.
1: Um what else have we got? We've got Pocket Card Jockey, which is uh just come to Apple Arcade. This is like the original, some would say best form of it. It's a game freak game. It's a horse racing game where you power your horse by playing solitaire during the match. Um this one definitely passed me by at the time, but like when all these articles started coming out last year about you must buy these games, this was regularly in the list. It's incredibly charming, a really odd tone of voice to it. Um, I love the little horse animations, are delightful, and I quite like playing solitaire. So like solitaire with like more kind of action drive to it is quite an interesting, exciting combination. And mm-hmm. it turns out the internet was right. This is a good game. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've got, this is definitely one that whose reputation, a bit like Attack of the Friday Monsters, has just lived on. Really, um, people talking about it still years later. Yes. So, yeah.
1: Um, also from Game Freak, if you are you know interested in their non-Pokemon work, Harmo Nights, which is a sort of oh, it is a, it's a rhythm game where you kind of a, a sort of platforming rhythm game where you run along, kind of bashing notes and monsters as they appear in time with the music. Um, it's a little bit like stiff and 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 uh not quite as like light on his feet as i would hope from a rhythm game like it it feels like you're you know it's trying to kind of fail you it's quite difficult um even on a base level Um, but again always interesting to see game freak do stuff that isn't pokemon you know with their art department and their sort of sense you know particularly their music department as well it's a great sounding game so harmonite is interesting um tokyo crash mobs this is probably the worst game I'm going to recommend, but it's <laughs> such a fucking weird game that I have to. This is made by Mitchell for and published by Nintendo. Uh, Mitchell made this game called Puzzloop on the DS, uh, which is uh, a series of colored balls move down a track, and you basically fire colored balls into that track to make combinations of three and stop that track from gradually moving to a goal at the end of the screen. I hope that makes sense this game reimagines that with like what happens you were doing the same but for queues of people and instead of balls it's people in a queue and they're like almost like animated gifs of real life people that they photographed okay. so it's got the energy of like a mad fmv game with these like little <laughs> cutscenes in between about like these t- this japanese woman and this sort of um The non-Japanese woman having a really terrible day and falling into these bizarre comic scenarios where they're forced to kind of throw people into queues of people to get to their destination faster Mm. um quite a hard one to explain at any kind of speed but it's like five quid it's probably a bit three three out of five but um (laughs) like you will laugh at how mad this game looks and you'll be sad that this will not live
0: anywhere else other than 3ds yeah that's not the game i pictured from the name tokyo crash mobs so that's no. so yeah super so interesting very very odd a one for the back page heads
1: uh chase cold case investigations was made by ex members of sing and to look at it you'd think this was hotel dusk 3 in terms of the art style the main character in this looks just like carl hyde it's unreal it's not it's not as good as a sing game it's very short it's like a couple of hours long little kind of like graphic puzzle adventure but if you just want to see, like, the last visible remnant of, of, like, Hotel Dusks and Sings, like, in-house style, it does live in this
0: uh, weirdly 3DS exclusive game. Hmm. Okay, interesting. I wasn't even aware this existed, so this yeah, is Yeah, again, good it's a
1: bit 5 out of 10, but, like, <laughs> you know, if you listen to this podcast, you, you might be interested in this. Yeah, um, but at
0: least worth Googling to see what it looks like, yeah.
1: Last of all, I wanted to do a shout out for a couple of the three D remakes of older games uh, on the Nintendo three D Classics range. Kirby's Adventure, very simple three D version. It just sort of pulls everything out from the from the background, but. It is weirdly the best technically performing version of Kirby's Adventure. This is a game which struggled to run on NES and and struggles to run on every like re-released version on like Switch online services. Lots of sprite flicker. This version, 3D aside, just runs. It's 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 the purest, cleanest version of Kirby's Adventure. Which you know we're a big Kirby podcast now, so we have to get behind that. <laughs> that's yes. Yeah, since last year, yes, that's what we do now here. Yeah, that's what we do. Um. Kid Icarus again, like not like an incredibly complex three D job, but it's kind of interesting in that they've added new backgrounds to the game that weren't in the NES original, which kind of like tie into the themes of the game. So, like a lot of this game is you are climbing up, basically ascending out of hell, and the backgrounds now reflect that in a way they obviously couldn't on the NES. So it has added something to enable the three D effect, but also kind of adds this like a slight unique twist, which means this isn't quite a uh, isn't quite the game you remember. I think uh, Jeremy Parrish has said that uh they've tweaked the actual like uh physics on Pit as well. So it's actually a slightly smoother platformer. I don't know the original Kid Icarus well enough to feel that myself, but
0: mm. I'll I'll trust Jeremy Parish on, on these matters. Yeah, absolutely. Uh good chat, I didn't even know I didn't know anything about that uh version of Kid Icarus. That's that's cool. Good info. Um,
1: and yeah, and then outside of Nintendo, like the real powerhouse like you know, labors of love are the Sega 3D classics. I think this is M2 that ported these, Mm. Um, and they are just absolutely stunning. All of them are just, like, so beautifully made. Use the 3D in such, like, rich ways. There are so many settings that you can tweak them. Like, if you are into the game at the heart of each of these releases, it's hard to imagine them being treated with more love. Uh, The two that I'm pulling out is Gunstar Heroes, um, because Gunstar Heroes, like, fucking rocks uh and also it just like you know it's a 2d action game but the the way they kind of layer it up and like uh the bosses which use a lot of like weird 3d sort of shifting shapes they look really really striking it just it's a, a you know already a visually exciting game but this this looks unreal with stereoscopic 3d um and of course outrun which you can sort of imagine how good outrun would look in 3d and mm. you know it, you can't really imagine how good it's going to look in 3d it turns out like the 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 job they've done on this and um how fast it feels and the way that kind of like endless kind of highway just stretches to sort of infinity into the screen and you're driving there like you know i'm not like a major outrun head you know it feels a bit fake kind of coming from me but even i'm like oh this kind of this is a, a rad thing to behold and um you know really should probably buy all these 3d classics but those, those two games really stand out to me
0: yeah that's a version of outrun that you will just never be able to experience it like this anywhere else that's um you know important when it's a a game that's this that's been ported to as many systems as this good you know this is why this version in particular is worth having well that's a bad, bad run through there matthew a real yeah like, so uh, that
1: was uh yeah that was a, a, a speedy run through but like i say we wanted to keep this episode a little shorter
0: yeah, absolutely. And definitely there's a lot there for people to dig into. Didn't you try and beat me in some kind of draft with Hydro Venture? Was that the Wii draft? Was there a Wii version of that? Uh,
1: yeah, I think I tried using that. I think I had that as a WiiWare game. Um, oh, yeah. Now I remember. And you had, I think somehow didn't you have metroid prime trilogy for that i can't remember how that worked
0: (laughs) no i don't i think i had a remaster or something like that i I can't remember what my my uh what happened there now but um yeah you definitely it was definitely like the duff pick for uh, for your side that maybe lost it for you but uh not to say the game is bad um but yeah not to dredge up bad draft memories but thank you so much for that overview matthew i think that'll be useful for people so um for people out there like i will um make this post on patreon public so anyone who's listening to this podcast forget a patreon.com slash backpage pod find the list um associated with this episode the episode title and you'll be able to see everything Matthew's recommended here in one place in case you didn't catch any of that so uh yeah i'll make it nice and easy for people so thank you so much for listening to this slightly shorter episode than usual i'm samuel w roberts on twitter if you'd like to support the podcast patreon.com backpage pod for 2016 bit games <laughs> that made us uh, <laughs> come into excel this month and christopher nolan movies ranked that'd be fun matthew where can people find you i am at
1: mr basil underscore pesto
0: yep there's a, a discord as well you know where to find that BackpageGames at gmail.com if you want to email us and we'll be back soon goodbye
1: goodbye